So this is week six. Uh, we are in a series called Wait What? Now, this is in Luke. Uh, we as a church started, golly, it feels like forever ago. We started going through the book of Luke. And we're just like, hey, we'll just go kind of chapter by chapter. And however long it takes is how long it takes. And when you're a first-time pastor, like I'm, I've never been a senior pastor before. So uh, I'm thinking, how long can that take to go through Luke chapter by chapter? I never thought, like, well, there's 24 chapters, so that's at least 24 weeks. I was like, you know, a month later we'll be done. Wow. Was I wrong, right? This is, uh, it's been uh, it's been amazing. It's taken a long time, and we are in Luke chapter 17 today. Uh, we're doing a series called Wait What? We, we started a while back um, kind of breaking these down like in a chapter or two at a time and kind of put them together by theme. And so when we got to Luke chapter 16, uh, I was reading it in my quiet time, and I, was, I just read the first few verses, and I was like, oh, I don't want to preach that. Now, y'all don't have to worry about that because you're not necessarily, you're not preachers, but if, um, if you hold a microphone and you talk about the Bible, then every now and then you run across these passages and you're like, God, um, nah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Let's just talk about the fun stuff, right? And then as I kept reading Luke 16 and 17, what I found was like both of these chapters were like that. Like they were full of things that, that I didn't particularly want to even talk about. Um, here's a few of the things that we've, that we've done in order. So the first week we started off with money. We noticed that every time we would talk about these topics that nobody likes to talk about, there would be these wait what moments with Jesus where he would say something in the passage that all of us would kind of go, wait, wait what? It just would catch us off guard. And as we dug in deeper, we would realize, oh, wait a second, here's what Jesus is saying. And so that shock of, ugh, turned into this awe of, wow, what a Lord, what a Savior, right? And so we talked about money. We, we followed that up. We thought that wasn't heavy enough, so we went into divorce. Huh? And then eternity was next. Uh, then we talked about offense, not like offense, like the Super Bowl was full of offense, and it was, but offense, like when people say things and you want to punch them in the throat. Is that too honest? Okay, because it's true. Offense, and then after offense, we talked about entitlement. And now today, on the very last week of this, we're, we're going to talk about the end of time. And I'm done, right? I'm just like, thank God, please, Lord, yes, come quickly. It's, just, it's been a six amazing weeks of just topics that we wouldn't normally talk about. But because they're in the order of Luke, we got to talk about it. And I don't know how you've been through it all, but, man, I've learned so much. I have loved these last six weeks. And so this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 17. How many of you um, have ever taken a bite that was more than you could chew? I mean, physically. I'm not talking metaphorically. Like, you're actually on a date, right? And you're trying to impress the person that you're with, and you're, like, telling yourself, just take a nibble, take a nibble. But then that burger looks so good, right? And you're just like, and that's when they ask the question, right? And you're like, like 10 minutes later, you're still chewing. Like, and you're like, I give up. I just try to swallow the whole thing. That's kind of what this morning's going to feel like. Because we've taken bite-sized pieces of the of the last two of these two chapters, but today we're like doing a chunk. Okay, so we're going to start in verse twenty, and we're going to go all the way to the end of the chapter, which is verse thirty-seven. Which, if you if you can count well, that's eighteen verses. So this is going to feel like that burger or that big. Um, I, I'm bad about like seeing pizza that looks really, 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 really good, and I take a bite of it, and it's like scalding hot. And I know I should spit it out, but I can't because I'm with people. And so you just, like, keep chewing it, and it's melting the flesh in your mouth. Have you been there? So I don't want it to be quite that bad, but it might feel a little bit like, man, this is a lot. So uh, I'll try to break it down, make it super, super easy to understand. And, um, 
and digest, okay? So we're in Luke chapter 17. We're just going to start with the first two verses because I want to make sure that you have context because you know that context is king, all right? So here we go, first two verses. One day, I'm in the New Living Translation, and it's up here as well. One day, the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Now, we talked about eternity a couple weeks ago, and now we're talking about the kingdom of God. Um, I don't know where you are with eternity. I don't know where you are with, with thinking about the kingdom of God. I know that when I was young, like a little boy, I would routinely wake my mom up in the middle of the night, and she'd be like, Paul, what's wrong? I can't, I can't sleep. Why, why can't you sleep? I, I just I can't stop thinking about forever. It's just, and it would just blow my mind. Right? I would just think about it and think. It's like it's never going to end like right now, some of your minds are like, I need Paul's mom. I get it. I get it. Like she would just have to rub my head or my neck or my arm or my back. She starts singing me songs, you know, and I'd eventually oh, fall back to sleep. But this happened all the time. It was just, it's something I could not think about without, and so because it would blow my mind, I would try to not think about it, right? And sometimes I think we don't want to consider these things because they are just so hard to grasp. All right, but can we just take maybe 25, 30 minutes and go there? Will you just do that? Just go, and let's just talk through this passage and understand the end of time. These, you've got to know who's asking the question. These are Pharisees. They're asking Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by, by visible signs. You won't be able to say, there it is, or here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. Your translation may say, in you. So let's just at the very beginning, talk about why are we talking about the end of time? It's because Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? When will the end of all things be? Now, a couple commentators that I read, they said this. It's possible that they were trying to kind of cheat the end. What I mean by that is... Um, they want, if we know exactly when the end is coming, we can do whatever we want right up until the end and repent and be okay. Now, in real world, this is what that looks like. There, I was in a big family. So there were five of us and my mom and dad. And when we got old enough to not need a babysitter, they would go out and they would leave us alone. Now, this was before you could stalk your family on your phone, Okay. These are great times that we live in today. Can I get an amen from the parents in the house, right? Yeah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Your kids are like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> That's their wait, what moment, right? So before, the, before we had all that technology, my sisters and I and my brother, we had this amazing technology, and it was called Look Out the Window, right? And so we lived on top of a hill, and you had to drive up a gravel driveway to get to the top of the hill where our house was. And so it's about a tenth of a mile maybe up that hill. Um, we became the masters at spotting the headlights angled up the hill, and we would know they're at the bottom of the hill. And from the time that they were at the bottom of the hill till they got up to the top of the hill, turned the car off, got out, closed the doors, walked inside, we could clean the house. I mean, we got good at it, right? Like, we were looking for the sign, and somebody would holler out, they're coming! And it was like five people totally mobilized, cleaning the whole house until they got home. We, I mean, we would wait until the last possible minute. And we're like the, we were like the typical movie cliche, right, where the, you scramble to clean the house, and they walk in, and we're like watching TV or reading the paper, like, so how was it? 
We were good at it, right? So it's possible that these Pharisees were asking, Jesus, just give us a hint, right? Give us a hint so that we can make sure we're ready. But, but then you have to stop and ask yourself this question. Is that what the Pharisees would have done, really? I mean, everybody rags the Pharisees, right? We say, oh, they're like church people. They're religious. And they weren't the, they weren't the best people as far as, like, were they going to get into heaven? Probably not because they're trying to earn their way. But they were trying to earn their way. They were, like, really good people. They, they were more interested in keeping the law than we are. I mean, like, they're the kind of people that you would say, why are the Christians the jerks? And these people are so nice. If anybody should get into heaven, it should be these people, not these people. So they could not. There's, I don't believe there's any way they were asking the question to try to, like, cheat the end. I think they genuinely wanted to know. They wanted to look for a sign. But what... What was so sad is that they were asking the sign for a sign. And so I think what Jesus was saying was, guys, guys, hold hold up. Don't look past the present trying to see the future. Big idea says it like this. The king, don't, don't miss the kingdom here looking for the kingdom there. Okay? Big idea is like my way of saying you may not remember everything I say today, but if you can just remember that, you'll get the gist of it. Okay? So Jesus is saying, you know, like, guys, you're asking when the kingdom of God's going to come. And I'm telling you, like, no, 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 no. I'm here. Look, here I am. Beard, halo, robe, me. Don't miss the kingdom here because you're looking for the kingdom there. And I believe he's saying that to us as well. I believe what he's saying to us today as a church is there are characteristics, there are marks of the kingdom. And we actually, instead of looking for something Way down the road, we're supposed to display these marks of the kingdom now. What, what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, when he was teaching the disciples how to pray? He said that what we should say is, let, let your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. And he was saying, like, our, your job is to live and pray in such a way that the, the will of God in heaven comes here, not survive here to get there, but bring that here. And so that's what he's saying. Like there are marks and characteristics of my kingdom in heaven that I want you to bring here. And so I'm going to this morning just give you three marks, okay? Just three marks of the kingdom that I believe our job at the gathering is to live these out for people to look at us and say, oh, I see these three marks in your life, and because of that it should point people to a kingdom. That we're bringing. Albemarle should look different because we live the kingdom now. Okay, here we go. That was a long introduction. Hang in there. First mark is patience. Everybody say, ugh. You knew I was going to go there, right? We're all going to pray for patience, and then we're going to all get behind slow people going to Walmart. Ugh, it's every, it happens every time. So verse 22, the disciples said this. He said to the disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns, but you won't see it. Listen, there is going to be times in our lives when all we want to do is see Jesus, okay? Real quick story just to highlight what that longing looks like. When I was in our, we were in our first church as youth, pa- youth pastors, um, just to give you an idea what that church looked like, because this is pretty full in here this morning. We met in a church building that seated 400 people. About 60 people came. About 10 to 15 of those were teenagers. Okay, so I was a youth pastor, so it was awesome. Like, I had, like, almost, you know, like a fifth of the church. It was fantastic. 
But one of the people at that church that I grew to love was Sister Freyer. Now, you know you're in a Pentecostal church when they call you sister, right? So Sister Freyer, her name is Freyer, like a rope is fraying, right? Sister Freyer, and she was like, I don't know, I want to describe her accurately. She's probably like 328 years old, right? Like she wore bottle, bottom, bottle things. Like her lenses look like the bottom of bottles, right? I mean, she hunched over, and she had like this, what hair she had was like curly and frizzy, and she walked like this, you know. Sister Freyer, she's like, she's like 91 years old. Right now, Sister Freyer, like our youth group was Crossfire, great name, and so we made our own shirts. We had our own poem, and on the back of our shirts, any hunters in the house, like you know the crosshairs that you see through a scope, that's what was on the back. So we had these T-shirts with big, big crosshairs, and like we would have these youth nights, youth Sunday nights, and the youth would run the service on Sunday night. Great idea, I love that. So we would show up, and every time we had youth Sunday night, which was often. Sister Freyer, 91 years old, would come walking in, if this is walking, and she'd have on her white shoes, her white pants, and our white crossfire T-shirt. Her hump in the back would be perfectly centered in the crosshairs, right? I'm not, not making fun of her. It's just the way it was, right? She looked all white. She looked like a really old Pat Boone, if you know who Pat Boone was. Three of you. That's fantastic, okay? So, and, and she would come every time like this, and every time I would talk to Sister Freyer, guess what she would do? Cry. You're like, well, every time you talk here, I cry. <laughs> no, not because of my breath. Because she would say, I just, I just want to see Jesus. I just want to see Jesus. She had reached that part of her life where there were more goodbyes than there were hellos, right? And she was like, I just want to see Jesus. That's what she used to saying. There will be times when you will long to see him. Long to be with him. And he's not saying that's a bad thing. He's just saying don't miss now because you're longing for that. And so Sister Freyer, I asked her one time, why do you come on Sunday nights? I, I, I should be more tactful, right? Sometimes I, I should be like, it's so good to have you, sister. But I'm just like, why? I mean, like, we're doing youth night. The music's loud. If you can even hear it. I mean, like. You probably can't even see me. Hello, I'm right here in front of you. I mean, why are you, and why do you wear the T-shirt? Why the crosshairs with the bump? I don't get it. Why? Here's what she said. I've had my time. I've had my time. And to see the Spirit move in the next generation, man, I want that. If anybody could have folded it up, packed it in, and said, I've done my time, I just want to see Jesus, it was Sister Freyer. She was craving Jesus, but she wasn't missing the moment. She was all in here while she was waiting to get there. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, you're going to long, you're going to long to see the end of time. But don't long for it so much that you start to live in the future and miss where you are. Verse 23. He says, People will tell you, look, there's the Son of Man, or here he is. But don't go out and follow them. Some translations literally say, don't run after them. Patience. There's a, it's a mark of the kingdom. Patience. I don't have to chase every single thing. I can be patient where I am because I know someday I'll see him. But for right now, I'm going to be patient. And you know why he wants us to be patient? You know why that's a mark of the kingdom? Because it's a mark of the king. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. Nope. He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone 
to repent. Can you, can you imagine if I got saved and my first prayer was, God, thank you for showing me mercy, pouring your mercy out on me. It was, oh, thank you so much. I was lost. I don't deserve this. But now that you saved me, God, take me now and kill the world. That's crazy. That's not the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is marked by patience. Like, I really want to be with you. I heard it in my head. I really want to be with you. I heard it. I heard it. None of you did, but I just ruined the whole sermon because I sang that song. I'm sorry. I really want to be with you, Jesus, but, but if I need to wait so that you can display patience so that others can be saved, then I'll wait. See how the difference is? That's a marked by patience. We want to be marked by patience. The kingdom is bigger than our own individual salvation. God wants more. So he sees the big picture. I love verse 25. Verse 25, Jesus says, but first the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. He's talking about, like, how will we know when the kingdom comes? And he's like, I know that you want the kingdom. I know that you want it. But listen, before you get the kingdom, there's got to be a cross. I mean, a lot of us want the kingdom without the cross, don't we? Just preach good, Paul. Make me laugh. Sell me a really cool T-shirt. Tell me I'll be blessed. Send me out the door. And there's a cross, guys. There's a cross to the, in the kingdom. And Jesus said that. Like, first there's got to be a cross. I've got to suffer. We can't bypass the cross to get to the kingdom. Patience is the mark number one. Here's mark number two. Preparation. There are, there are things that we need to learn where we currently are. Jesus starts talking about Noah. He starts talking about the days of Lot. And here's his point. People weren't prepared. He says, they're just eating and drinking. They're just partying. They're doing, their, they're doing their thing, and they have no idea what's coming. Right up until the flood came, right up until Sodom was destroyed, they're just doing their thing, and then all of a sudden it happened, and it's too late, and they weren't prepared. Have you ever had that dream where you show up at school in your underwear? Is it, oh, it's awkward that it was just us. <laughs> It's like, like classically, they'll tell you, like, that's just a sign that you're afraid of not being prepared, right? Um, can we forget about dreams for a second? Do we have any students in the house right now? Any students? Um, I know we have some teachers here. Yeah, in the back. Like, can we, the worst thing in the world, I don't know if this ever happened to you, is to show up at, at your class. You're sitting there. It's going to be a great day. And your teacher says, today, kids, we're going to have a pop quiz. They pop the quiz, you poop your pants. Am I right? And you're just like, uh, what? Like when they do the pop quiz and you're not ready. And so they, you've never prayed harder, right? Oh, God, I will, I will dedicate my life, my future wife's life, every kid I ever have, every animal that I've ever owned. Forgive me of my sins, the sins of everybody in this room, and just give me mercy right now. They hand you that test, and you're like, it's, it's, it's going to work. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work. You read the first question, it might as well be another language. Like every, every, every question is worse. You get to the last question, you're like, I don't know any of them. You're supposed to answer the ones you know first. Am I right? Answer the ones you know first. And you're like, I can't answer any of them first. I know none of these. I'm in the wrong class. No, you're not in the wrong class. You're not prepared. You're not prepared. Now, listen, what you should feel in that moment 
well, you're going to feel that dread, right? But what we should take away from that moment is, I don't ever want to be in this position again. And the only way to not be in that position again is, one, read your teacher's mind so you know when the next pop quiz comes, but you won't because that's why it's called a pop quiz, or study some every day preparing for a possible pop quiz. And every teacher said, amen, even though we know they won't do it. Why? The same reason that Jesus is talking about this. He's saying, look, the world is marked by procrastination and panic, but the kingdom is marked by preparation. Don't be the people who eat, drink, just go about doing your thing and have no clue that someday it's going to end. Be prepared. What I love about this teaching from Jesus is that he doesn't advocate the crazy end-time things that we've all read about. Have, do you remember the guy that keeps predicting the end of the world? you remember him? Like, there has never been anybody with more confidence than this guy because he's predicted it wrongly like three or four times. And he's always like, his, he's always falls up like, yeah, I missed it. And like a week later, but I've heard from God again. It's crazy. And what will happen is people will buy into this. And because they buy into it, they'll, say, they'll do one of two things. Like they'll sell everything that they have, and they'll follow him to a, the top of a mountain. I don't know what it is about mountains. I don't think one about like so high that they're the first ones. I don't know what that is. They're waving at Jesus, come now. I don't know what it is. Right? But they'll move, they'll go up to a hill. They've sold everything, and they'll just like wait. And then at some point, you have to come back down off the mountain like super, super disappointed, right? You're like I own nothing, not even pride. <laughs> like it's all gone. Or they go the other direction. They max out all their credit cards, right? I ain't going to pay it off anyway. Jesus is coming back. I'm just here to tell you, that ain't Christian, people. That ain't Christian, right? That's stupid. Anyway, like there's two different directions. Some of you are like, I hadn't thought about that, but I might give that a shot, right? <laughs> you will also be very disappointed, and the church will not help you. <laughs> Probably. Um. Anyway. <laughs> that get to mercy coming out. Like, I don't know if I can say never. Anyway, the point here is, like, we do crazy things about end time stuff. But look what Jesus said. If we have peace, I mean patience, if we have patience, and if we are allowing God to use the things in our lives to prepare us, I love the examples that, that Jesus gives. He says in verse 31, on that day, what day? The day that the kingdom of God is revealed. On that day, sorry, verse 30, yes, it will be business as usual, I love that phrase, right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. What is he saying? You're prepared, guys. Just go on living. Just do your thing. And here's the things that he talks about. On that day, a person out on the deck of a roof doesn't need to go into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. What is he saying? Fix your house. Go to work. Later on, he's going to talk about sleeping in a bed. How many of you like to sleep? It's a gift from God, amen? It's a good thing. And then he's going to talk about women that are grinding flour, getting ready to cook. How many of you like to eat? I like to eat. And he's saying, look, fix your home. Go to work. Sleep. Eat. You can do all of that stuff and be prepared for the day because you're allowing all those things to prepare you. You don't have to sell your stuff and move on top, top of a mountain. Don't max out your credit cards. Don't be an idiot. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. 
Instead, be prepared. And because you're prepared, you'll live with peace and not panic, and you will make a difference in your world. I love that. The kingdom is all around us, and he calls us to see that. Our preparation for the future is happening every day in everything we experience. The kingdom of God is marked by patience. It's marked by preparation. And now we come to, okay, verse 37. If, if we were doing an award show right now in the church, one of you would have on like a tux, right? And then one of you would have on an evening gown. Hopefully that would be a guy and a girl. Tux, evening gown, and you would walk up. We'd have music playing. That would be awesome. We had, we'd have music playing, and y'all would walk up here, and I would hand you an envelope, and you would take the envelope, and, it, and you would say this. And the winner for the weirdest verse in the Wait What series goes to verse 37. Wow. Wow, I, I worked hard on that one. If you're here for the first time, don't judge me because of them. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Gatherers, where are you? I don't know. That was crazy. Okay, so verse 37, check this out. After Jesus has been talking about the kingdom, right, and all these things, like you'll know, you'll, you can see the kingdom because of patience and because of preparation, the disciples asked a really weird question. I, I would have thought they would have said when, like the Pharisees did. So when is all this going to happen? But instead they said where. What? Where is this going to happen? And if that wasn't weird enough, check out Jesus' answer. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Did y'all just see the word vulture? It wasn't just me. Carcass. See, like, wait, wait, what? Jesus, what are you, what are you even talking about? Like, have you ever had a teacher who... You would ask them a question, and their answer would cause you to have a lot more questions than you had originally. Like, this is Jesus right now. The disciples are like, first of all, where will this happen? And he answers them talking about vultures and a carcass. Can I just say, before we even move further in this, that I run a lot, and I run on Austin Road a lot. And I know for the last week that I, I found a deer on Austin Road. It's not actually in the road. It's off the road. And when I first ran by it, it was just laying there. And then I can come out of my, my neighborhood. I can take a right on Austin Road, and I know immediately where on Austin Road that deer is. You know how I know? A bunch of black vulture birds hanging out with that carcass. Jesus knows what he's talking about. If there's something dead, vultures will hang out there. Okay, now then I run up on them and they're like, Wah! and they run away, they fly away, and they run away. That was cute, huh? Whatever. Okay. So they said, Where will this happen? And Jesus says, Well, where there's a dead body, the vultures will gather. And so, first and foremost, you need to know this Jesus is unmistakably pointing to the cross. And he's saying to them, You want me to tell you where the kingdom of God is going to be established on earth? Where my dead body is hanging on a cross. And these religious vultures will be there. And that's how you'll know. Now, the second thing that I believe he was saying is this. He was saying, guys, I'm calling you to something a lot better than that. The best that this religious world has to offer is me killed on a cross. 
This kingdom in this world is a kingdom that feeds off of death just like vultures. But I am calling you to a kingdom that brings life from heaven to culture. Don't be a vulture, guys. That's how you'll know the kingdom is being established. But the cross was the end game for this world. It's the beginning game for the kingdom of God. So if patience is a mark and if preparation is a mark, then pro-life is a mark of the kingdom. Now, pro-life is a phrase that has been ruined by politics. Okay, so before you go political on me, let me make this statement that will cause you to get even more frustrated, and then I'll explain it, okay, and then we'll wrap up and be done. Pro-life is not the same as anti-abortion. Pro-life is not the same as anti-abortion. Here's how I know. Because Jesus wasn't talking about abortion in that verse, he was saying, guys, I'm calling you to bring life to this world. And if you're bringing life from heaven to earth, then everything you do is going to be about life. The words you speak, the attitude you have, you're bringing life to a dead culture. You can actually bring the life of heaven into a situation on earth. I I know people who are anti-abortion, and they are not pro-life. And here's how I know. Because they will go blow up a clinic. I don't actually, let me rephrase, I don't know those people. <laughs> I saw some of you reaching for your phones to dial 911. I got a little panicked. I don't actually personally know them, but we read about these people, don't we? People who are like, they'll blow up a clinic and kill somebody. And if you ask them why, they'll be like, because I'm pro-life. No, you're not. You're anti-abortion. Two very different things. Now, I can say this. The Pregnancy Resource Center in Albemarle, they don't pay me to say this. I'm just telling you, they're pro-life. Because they're not just about making people feel horrible for a bad choice. They're about bringing life into situations. If we're pro-life, here's what we'll be. We'll We'll make it hard for kids to not have a home in our county. We will be the ones that say, hey, we'll be foster parents. We'll adopt. It will cost us a lot of money, but it's worth it. We'll do that. If we're pro-life, that's the kind of stuff that we'll do. If we're pro-life, we'll see stories about refugees from other countries very differently than we do now politically. It won't be like legislation needs to be passed. It'll be like the heart of God is that he doesn't want orphans. So we should find a way to help these people. If we're pro-life, check this out. If we're pro-life, we will bring life from heaven to Facebook. I'm trying to go slowly for effect. If there's ever been a picture in our society of vultures gathering and feeding off of dead things, it has to be social media. Right? Where if I don't agree with you, I will just kill you and then retweet it so everybody can feed off that death. We have the opportunity to even bring life to that. And so what Jesus is saying is be pro-life. But just expand what you think that is. Expand it. This past week was one of my favorite weeks because, I mean, you guys know, I, well, if you're visiting, you don't know, but special needs, man, special needs kids and families are, are just at our heart. 
because my brother with special needs. We have so many people in our church that, are, that have just amazing people in their families with special needs. I love this past week because this was the past week was the, the, the week that um, Tim Tebow's foundation sponsored Night to Shine. And if you don't know what that is, one, you're living under a rock, right? So you should probably check that out and watch some videos. But these are nights when, like, all over the country, um, churches and organizations throw proms for people with special needs. And, God, the videos are just mind-blowingly good. And every time I watch it, I'm just like, God, thank you that we're going to have a place where, can we please do that? That's pro-life. Pro-life, very practically, it doesn't mean other churches aren't because they don't do it, but for us, pro-life is like, hey, mom, hey, dad, your kids are kind of loud. It's cool because we value family. We think that's awesome. Even if sometimes we want to be like, Shh. at the parent for telling their kids to, Shh. it's okay, right? <laughs> I went somewhere different. <laughs> it's okay. It's pro-life. Like we're pro-life. Just expand what you think that means. And Jesus is saying that. I mean, he's like, man, come on, guys. Be pro-life. Not from a political agenda, but just because we're bringing life from heaven to earth. Man, how many of you would say with me, you would agree, does, does our culture not need some life? I mean, come on. We need life from heaven in our culture. And it's a mark of the kingdom. Patient and prepared citizens of the kingdom will bring life everywhere they go. Because they feed off the resurrected life of Jesus. So here, let, let's, let's close it this way. If the kingdom is near us, and it is because Jesus said it, right? At the very beginning he said the kingdom is among you, within you, near you. And the question is, do we reflect those three things? Like in our lives, are we patient? Are we prepared? I'm just railing social media, I know, I'm sorry, just don't, don't hate me, right? But like, every time there's election seasons, and I, I'm on social media, I just am amazed at how panicky Christians get. Like, what are you freaking out about? It's it almost, like, God's still God. Like, we're not marked by panic, we're marked by preparation. And, and we're pro-life. Like, are you, those th- are you those three things? You know, um, I, I pulled out my baby bottle so that all of you would be like, <gasps> I forgot it. I would have forgotten it too, but I knew I was going to use it, and I, I want to make sure I had it. It's like last night I put it in my bag, so I wouldn't forget it, right? You ever do that? No? You should try that. It works. Y'all are so quiet. <laughs> anyway, um, so th- these are the baby bottles that we've been filling up for the PRC, right? Because a little bit of change from a lot of, bit, a lot of people adds up to a ton of stuff. Like, and this is the day that they said bring it back so we can turn in our baby bottles, and hopefully they're full of change and maybe checks and whatever, cash. But, but why do we do this? Because, because it's an organization that gives life. And we're all behind that, you know. This is just one practical way that we could be pro-life. And, and when we are pro-life, when that marks us, because that's not well, how Christians should be, but that's how heaven is through us, then this isn't a fundraiser. It's just what Christians do. It's what we do. We just speak life. So I want this morning to, um, if you have yours, if you want to hold it close and near to your heart, we're going to pray over them. Um, if you forgot yours, then uh, while we're praying, um, you can, when I say amen, pull out your phone and tell it to remind you.
to bring your bottles back next week. And we're going to turn them in and just, we trust, like, the Holy Spirit to use this money and help the PRC bring life to people, right? And not make people feel bad because that's death, but to bring life, to speak life into those situations. And I want to pray over you that you would also exhibit patience and preparation and pro-life at your job, you know. Some of you are in tough situations work-wise. I mean, let's be honest, you got bad bosses. If Bridget was here, she'd be like, thank you, Jesus, so true, right? I'm Bridget's boss. Y'all didn't make that connection, did you? Or you're, you're being nice to me. You're like, it's lunchtime. Shut up. Some of you are in really bad spots. And I want you to know this, that God's not forgotten where you are. I mean, his heart is that where you are would work patience and preparation into your life. So don't look for the way out. Look for how you can bring the kingdom into where you are. Okay? So we're going to pray over these baby bottles. We're going to pray over you. And then we're going to go eat lunch. Maybe not all together, but, you know, collectively somewhere. Oh, y'all are so much fun. We're putting this one on. This is the video for this week just because of how fun they've been. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You've been fantastic. First time guests, please come back. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the Pregnancy Resource Center. I love what they're doing um, with, with in their Insight Medical Wing with the ultrasound and how they're, they're taking it around. And even that is a picture of what you do. You do not beat people up for bad choices. You show them the potential of a good choice. And so what an honor it is for us as a church to be a small part of supporting what they do. We, we pray over all this change, God, that we pulled out of our cars and our cup holders and our couches. And we just ask that you would take all of it, God, and, and, and do what you do with it. Multiply it. Man, we just pray blessings over the PRC and what they do. And, and I'm just praying a blessing over this house, God. I know this is a year of miracles at the gathering. And so my prayer is that this week we would find ourselves in situations that need a miracle. Maybe we're at work and a coworker's arm is hurting. Maybe they had got really bad news in a relationship. Whatever it could be, God. Maybe at school a student is having a rough day. Or maybe as students were sitting in a class where the teacher is not doing well. And these are all opportunities where we can speak life into them and we can see a miracle. I'm praying, God, that before this time next week, we would come back to church with stories to tell of how you healed people of how you spoke life and gave hope, and that our patience, our preparation would allow us to speak life into places and people that desperately need it. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.